Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rantish. I am your host, Freckled Hand, and I cannot believe it, it's December 1st. I feel like I have been waiting for so long <laughs> for this time to come because it means that I'm having a baby soon, and that has felt like a dream for literally months and months. But now that it's finally here, it doesn't even feel real. <laughs> Last week was Thanksgiving, so I wanted to do a quick recap on general Thanksgiving thoughts. I don't know why my voice is sounding so weird all of a sudden. It was sounding fine, and then I started recording, and now I like, I guess I can't breathe through my nose. That was, it came out of nowhere, so I'm confused. Thanksgiving, we joined my aunt and uncle um, and some cousins and stuff. It was super fun. I got to make a few new things and a few things that I love to make top of the list add this to your requirement for um future thanksgiving recipes amber's kitchen pecan pie bars i am telling you they are one of my top i was telling Stephen, they're definitely one of my top 10 favorite desserts of all time they might be top five i'd have to like sit and think about what my top five was but for sure top 10 like if they're not top five they're very very close I'm not even crazy about pecan pie. I've had it a couple times and I was like very indifferent towards it. These pecan pie bars. And honestly, you could make them without the pecans and they would be just as good. (laughs) I mean, I really like the crunch. Although I will say that if I eat a lot of them, my mouth does start to feel weird, which I know being allergic to pecans is like pretty common. So I don't, I don't know that I'm allergic, but I do think that they make my, (laughs) my mouth feel weird, but worth it because they're so good. Um, the other things we took, key lime pie. I have the easiest key lime pie recipe. When Steven and I were on our honeymoon, we went to this restaurant and we went to San Diego on our honeymoon and they had key lime pie and I don't think we ended up ordering it and I can't remember why. I think it was because we had to order the whole pie and we're like, we're not going to eat a whole pie, the two of us, like in the next three days. So we didn't order it, but I was just continually thinking about key lime pie. So when we got home, I decided I was going to try to make a key lime pie. And I found this recipe. I'm pretty sure it's like from allrecipes.com or something. Like not anything crazy. That is seriously so easy and so good. You just use a pre-made crust, egg yolks, sweetened condensed milk, and lime juice. That is all the ingredients, I'm pretty sure. And then whipped cream if you want it on top. Bake it and then I put it in the freezer and then it's because of the, um, there's nothing like that can actually freeze in it for some reason. I don't really know the science behind it, but even if you like take it directly out of the freezer, you can still cut it just fine. Like it doesn't actually freeze. It's perfect. It's delicious. Send me a message if you want the recipe. I will not gatekeep it. I, it's actually on my blog when I was looking for the recipe because I've made it tons of times. But when I had told my aunt that that's one of the things I would bring, I just Googled like key lime, easy key lime pie recipe and I wasn't finding it. There were so many other ones that were not that easy. And so I actually found the blog post that I wrote back then when I used to have a really cute blog, you guys. I'm actually not embarrassed of my blog. I'm just going to say that. I feel like a lot of things that we post on social media later, i.e. Facebook statuses, (laughs) when you see them later, you're like, oh dear, what was I doing? But I actually think my blog was pretty fun. And I, not to say that like, I'm going to start blogging again because that doesn't feel realistic, but 
this is the new podcasting is the new blogging, right? Because then you don't have to, I don't know, think about it as much, edit it, make it as articulate. Although maybe that's for the worst. Who knows? Anyway, I also took some Rhodes Rolls because Stephen has this thing about um, Thanksgiving being all about the rolls. I believe his mom. Okay, I'm totally going to butcher this, but I want to say that she would make six dozen rolls. That's what he claims anyways. And that he would eat like three to four dozen of them in high school. I don't know. Correct me. Tell me if I'm wrong. (laughs) But something like that. A ridiculous amount of rolls. And so he was just, you know, wanting to be able to not worry about not eating his fill of rolls. So he wanted us to bring some, even though my aunt said she would have some. Um... And I think he only ate like two, (laughs) maybe three, but anyway, there were plenty of rolls. So that's what mattered. Then I also wanted to try a new recipe because I just feel like that's part of the fun of Thanksgiving is trying something that you've never made before. I don't know. Maybe that's risky. A lot of people when they are having dinner with someone for the first time, like don't want to try something new, but for whatever reason, I like to try new things, but then when they don't turn out, instant regret. (laughs) But thankfully, I made um, Amber's kitchen. Again, she's never failed me. Love Amber. Sourdough bread stuffing. It has like sausage and leeks in it. I've never cooked with leeks before. That's not true. One time my sister-in-law came over when we were in college and she made potato leek soup at our house and like we like helped her make it. But I've never myself on my own fruition. Is that, that's not the word, whatever on my own accord, made something with leeks. So that was an interesting experience. I didn't even know how to cut them. I had to like watch the video many times to figure it out. But I actually thought it turned out quite good. I used sourdough bread from Harmon's because I did not have it in me to like make sourdough bread. So making sourdough bread is not all that hard. It's just like a lot of mental load because you have to like calculate how long it's going to take to before you like when you get the starter out of the fridge and then feed the starter and then it's just kind of finicky as far as like when you're not in the routine of it there have been times where I've been like all in on the sourdough train and keeping up with it but lately has not been one of those times anyway the main thing that I was taking to this Thanksgiving dinner that I was feeling the most pressure on because it was something it's a very iconic dish and that is the pretzel jello salad, which my family refers to as the pretzo jalad, because a few years ago I had made a pretzel jello salad for a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, this was actually two years ago. It was right before Brighton was born. Brighton's birthday is next week. And I had made the pretzel jello salad. And then we ended up all feeling like a little bit sick. And so we weren't able to go to, we were going to go to Steven's aunt's house and we had to cancel last minute. It was still like fresh off of COVID. And plus, you know, we just weren't feeling great. And I was about to have a baby. So we wanted to be a little more cautious. And um, my kids loved it. I think that was the first time they'd had it maybe, or at least the first time they remembered it. And Elliot, who was like four at the time, was calling it the pretzo jalad and that just felt like a really fitting name so that's what we call it now pretzo jalad but here's the thing about the pretzo jalad it's kind of a stressful dish to make and I'm mean, gonna no regrets like I'm glad that I could take that off of someone else's plate because we were not hosting and that's a whole load of stress on its own 
and you know not to mention the turkey i've never even come close to having to prepare turkey which i imagine is also very stressful but it was just interesting how all the recipes when i was looking them up okay i looked at three different recipes just to kind of you know compare and contrast and every single one of them commented on how simple easy and delicious this this recipe is and honestly I would not consider it simple. I would not consider it easy. And frankly, I don't even like it that much. (laughs) I think that it would be infinitely better. And next year, I might even try this. Make one of the traditional kind. And then what if we just forewent? What is the future term for forego? I'm going to go with forewent. The jello. What if it was literally pretzel okay I guess I need to explain just in case someone out there does not know what a pretzel jello salad is it is a not at all salad first of all so get that idea out of your mind right away it's served in a 9 by 13 baking dish so it's more of like a casserole a jello casserole um you have this not peanut butter what am I saying pretzel crust so it's like pretzels with butter and sugar you bake that then you let that cool then you mix together um, cream cheese and cool whip. That's the second and, and more sugar because, you know, of course you need more sugar, right? And then the top is either strawberry. I've seen it primarily with strawberry or raspberry jello. And then you usually have like either fresh fruit or frozen fruit chunks of whichever type of jello you have on the top. So it's these three layers and it's beautiful. Last year when I made it, I didn't seal off the second layer well enough, which I didn't even like think because I'd made it the first year, three years ago, two years ago, sorry, the third time ago. (laughs) And I didn't really think that much of it and it was fine. But then last year I just like wasn't paying attention. And so when I poured the jello on top, it went through the second layer, like some gaps on the sides. There was like a little hole somehow and it went down and then it mixed with the pretzels and it was no good and literally (laughs) my kids were crying I was super stressed I was pregnant um with the with the baby that we ended up miscarrying later a few months later but I was just like not feeling great anyway it was just this whole thing and so Stephen ended up going to the store right before they closed and miraculously they still had all the ingredients which is honestly pretty crazy because I feel like it's a very popular dish, at least in Utah, for sure. He came home. We were able to scramble, make it again, put it in the freezer. It wasn't totally set up, but it still worked. Anyways, because of that experience, I think I was particularly stressed because I knew that it was very possible to have messed, to mess up this recipe. <laughs> and on, like every layer of it has something that you can mess up on because the pretzel layer it's very hard to determine like how finely chopped the pretzels are because you don't want them to be like powder because that's a bad texture, but you don't want them to be huge. So that was a whole thing of like trying to figure out. And I got the stick pretzels, which most of the recipes that I saw actually called for the other like pretzel shaped pretzels, which maybe that would have been better. I don't know. So that layer is stressful. Then the cream cheese cool whip layer like nobody wants chunky cream cheese so that's stressful because you have to have like the perfectly whipped cream cheese and then the jello 
the setup of the jello is always just stressful <laughs> for me. And I did, I was using frozen strawberries. And so I did kind of mess it up on one of them. I made two sheets, two pans, whatever, casserole dishes of this. And one of them actually I was very proud of. And the other one was like, meh. But thankfully we ended up only eating one at the Thanksgiving dinner. And then my family, my children just devoured the second one for breakfast the following day. But this is what I was going to say too. Next year, this is my experiment. How much better would it be if it was just pretzels, pretzel crust, middle layer? I mean, yeah, even the Cool Whip combo with the cream cheese isn't my fave. There's this um, peach pie that I make that has, I can't remember what's in the middle layer of that, but it's a similar thing, but way better. It doesn't call for, I think maybe you just make your own whipped cream. I think it's whipped cream instead of Cool Whip. But anyway, Cool Whip is just already like kind of fakely sweet to me. And then you add more sugar to it. But okay, no, no. This is the, this is the key difference though. Fresh fruit. What if instead of Jello with fruit in it, you literally just like sliced up a thousand strawberries and put those on top? That would be so much better. So I'm going to try next year. I'm going to make one the traditional way simply because it has become a Thanksgiving staple that all of my children expect. And it's one of the only Thanksgiving foods that they eat. <laughs> and also just fresh fruit. It could even be like raspberries and strawberries. You could do it with literally any fruit. You could do it with bananas. I mean, they would turn brown. So maybe that wouldn't be a good idea. But peaches, canned peaches even would be better than jello. I just don't like jello, I guess. That's that's the takeaway that I'm having. And it's just like a texture. The texture... I like the idea of the crunchy with the Cool Whip, but then the Jello on top. Brighton wouldn't eat it with the Jello; he only liked the bottom parts, for the record. Anyway, it was a lovely Thanksgiving. We did something a little more untraditional. My aunt orchestrated, which was we started with pie, <laughs> because the thought process was like, by the time you get to the pie, you're always like you're so full from having eaten everything else. You don't really get to enjoy the pie. So let's start with the pie. Um, so we basically had pie for breakfast. She also provided, what are they called? Breakfast casseroles because it was like 1030 in the morning. 10, I think. Yes, 10 is when we started. And um, it was delicious. I My stomach is about the size of a quarter. So I just felt very sick. But I'm sure I was going to feel sick no matter what time we started and what we ate. Regardless. Okay, side note though, <laughs> I will be so curious if this continues once I'm not pregnant anymore, but I crave kale. What? Who am I? It's because at this pregnancy, I've been thinking a lot about and just like learning more about blood sugar levels and just like trying to support uh, I don't know the word, but just like less blood sugar spikes and stuff. And so something that I've learned is that if you start with fiber before, like if you eat some fiber before a big meal, it can help with digestion and it can help with blood sugar spikes. And so someone, my a girl I follow slash a friend had said that what she often does is like as she's preparing the meal, she'll just like 
snack on some kale um, and you just need to have like a few pieces of kale and then it can help a lot when you're processing the other foods because it just helps your body digest it better. And for sure, I wasn't eating kale the first trimester of my pregnancy. <laughs> no, but I was trying to start with like a veggie of some kind. And I honestly believe that it helped with nausea. I still felt nauseous. Don't get me wrong, but I threw up way less this pregnancy than pre- previous pregnancies. And I do think that it had to do with keeping my blood sugar levels more balanced. Just a personal theory. Okay. Anyway, this same friend had said sometimes she'll make like a little salad with just like kale and some fresh lemon juice and olive oil and salt and pepper. And I tried it and I weirdly love it. Like I crave it. Something about the sour and the salty and the crunchy. And again, it might totally never sound appealing again after I'm done being pregnant, which wouldn't surprise me. I'm very curious to see though. But right now, it just sounds amazing. Like some, I think it's like the sourness of it and maybe like a little bit of the bitterness, but I like talk so highly of it that Steven has tried it. I think maybe even twice because both like the first time I did it and I just was like going on and on about how good it was. Like my mouth is literally watering thinking about it. How weird is that? Um, he was like, wow, you're making that look actually good. Like wanting me making me want to try it. And so he did. And he was like, that is disgusting. (laughs) And then I feel like he tried it one other time. And my kids, at least Brighton tried it the other day and his face, oh my gosh, I actually got it on film and it was hilarious because he thought it was the grossest thing ever. But anyway, random food things. That's all to say that I did have a kale salad before I ate my pie. I just ate it in the car on the way down. (laughs) I'm sure it did not help my blood sugar though, because pie is pie. (laughs) anyway other things that have happened black friday we actually went ham on black friday i feel like usually black friday kind of comes and goes and i'm like meh it was all online don't get me wrong i'm not going into stores but because i'm having a baby in a couple weeks we were very motivated to try to get as many christmas presents checked off the list as possible and I have to say having a child well we tried to have our kids like make little Christmas lists so that we would know what they want because I don't really know what they want you guys and it's one of those things where like I think they'd be happy with anything and I think they they are they're I think they're pretty good about that but also I want them to get things that they like actually want and not just random toys anyway we tried to have them all make lists And Lydia supplied a very specific Christmas list of 10 things that she wanted. And we told her, like, you're probably not going to get all 10 things. But actually, I hope she's she's at school so she can't hear me. But um, she actually probably will because some of the things she had on the list was, like, Tic Tacs, (laughs) gum, candy corn. Those are three of the things of the 10. So I'm like, this is amazing. I can actually make these things happen. And I know that these are things that you want because you put them on a list. The boys are not that easy right now. So I'm actually very excited for when they're a little bit older and can supply me. I mean, I know, I think it is partially a personality thing. But just having direction to go for the first time. Lydia's never had that detailed of a list before now. 
It's been a game changer. I am grateful for. Anyway, knocked out a ton of Black Friday shopping. So many Amazon packages have been arriving the last few days. And actually, the um, what day was it? Maybe on Monday after Black Friday, I was going over to pick up Lydia from her friend's house that literally lives maybe like less than a mile from my house, like between half a mile and eight or nine tenths of a mile. I don't know. Um, I saw four Amazon delivery trucks between my house and their house. Four. That is insane. Our neighborhood is very packed. All the houses are very close together. And I imagine Amazon's logistics are pretty good as far as, you know, they wouldn't think that they would have redundant. Like, I think there were just that many people that ordered that many things from our neighborhood that it required that many delivered drivers, which is kind of disgusting. I'm not going to lie. But hallelujah, if it were not for online shopping, I don't even know how we would get Christmas done because woof, it's a game changer. I've already talked about grocery delivery. I feel the same way. It is just like uh, it has. I would not be able to have five, almost six children if it were not for delivery, period. That it was like. God knew that if he wanted me to have all these children, he had to put me in the time that I'm currently living because it never could have happened otherwise. Other um, less exciting, but very at the forefront of my mind the last few days has been a new pregnancy joy that I've never experienced before (laughs) that has been truly awful. Um, I know I, I have, you know, end of pregnancy is uncomfortable and I get that and everybody knows that and you know, it's whatever. I feel like I complained enough about that previously, but on Sunday I started experiencing something that I've never had before. I didn't really know how to describe it, but it was like something about my hips, my pelvis, just like not comfortable. So Steven and I, well, he was like helping me kind of do some different stretches that seemed to to really help in the moment. Um, and I was really grateful and, you know, whatever, go to bed Sunday night, wake up Monday morning and physically cannot walk. I'm like hobbling. And, and every time I put pressure on my right leg, I, my body just kind of like crumbles. Like I have to grab on to a wall or a bed or, or whatever because I'm literally falling over. So I start Googling things. I'm trying to figure out like what's going on. So I think I had kind of two things happening simultaneously. One is called SPD, which is something that I've heard of. I know I've had a couple of friends that had it, but I didn't really know what it was. I went to the chiropractor. That was kind of my first line of defense because I was like what can I do this is not sustainable I literally can't walk getting in another car was excruciating I don't think I realized that it was SPD until Tuesday but I go to the chiropractor and I've gone to chiropractors a couple like during pregnancy primarily but not super consistently just because it's expensive and our insurance doesn't cover it and I have a whole rant about insurance that maybe I'll get to later 
But I was desperate. So I just started calling around to all the closest chiropractors that had anything like prenatal related. And there was this one that was supposedly like a mile and a half away. So I call and I'm like, any chance you can get me in today? He's like, yeah, how about four o'clock? Like, that's amazing. Thank you. Perfect. I'm just expressing my gratitude of how amazing it is he can get me in. Yada, yada. Then he's like, oh yeah, by the way, um, that the location it shows online isn't open yet or isn't open right now. We're doing renovations. So I need you to come to this location in Sandy, which was like 17, eh, 15 minutes away. So I was kind of bugged because I'm sure there were other places that were closer, but because it was listed on the maps as being closest to me, that's why I went there first. But it's fine. I had already expressed my heartfelt gratitude and I didn't want to feel like I was lying. So I just went over and it's actually kind of an interesting business model. So basically he did the adjustment and... He will, so he said the reason why my body was giving out every time I would step on my right leg was because of like sciatica, which again is something that I've heard of, but I don't super know what it is, but has something to do with like the way that your pelvis is and your hips and your ligaments and your blood flow. <laughs> I'm just saying random words. I have no idea. But the part that did make sense to me was about blood flow. So Something is off where when you step on, you know, however you're stepping, it cuts off the blood flow to your leg. I don't know. And it makes you like basically fall over. So that was partly explained. Um, then I go home and it like helped, but it w- I was still in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And so Tuesday... Oh, oh, that's what I was going to say too. The business model is basically monthly memberships. That's kind of like the only option, (laughs) which I did not know going in, but it's an unlimited membership. So I paid $200 for the first month and I can go literally every single day, which I have gone every day. They're not open on Thursdays, but other than that. And then after the first month, it's $100 a month. So Considering when I've gone to the chiropractor in the past, I've paid like anywhere from $50 to $65 per visit. It actually felt like a pretty good deal. And I was desperate. So I didn't even honestly care. (laughs) The possibility that I would be in that state up until I deliver was so unbelievable. (laughs) Like it's just not an option that I was willing to do whatever. So not to mention labor itself, because if you don't know, I historically, well, no, my plan, I'm giving birth to this baby in a birth center without any sort of pain medication. And a big part of the labor itself is movement and being able to move my body and walk around and bounce on an exercise ball. And none of those things would have been available to me if things stayed how they were. I went to the chiropractor Monday. Then on Tuesday, I had a appointment with my midwife. But I had childcare fall through and I um, was honestly in so much pain and like thinking about going down to Provo and back. 
felt not <laughs> like an option. So I asked if my midwife could just, we could do a virtual visit, which she said was fine. And I was kind of explaining to her a little bit about what I was dealing with. And she told me about SPD, which again, I'd heard of SPD. I didn't super know what it was, but the way she described it, which I'm probably going to butcher, but basically your pelvis is connected in the front with like a piece of cartilage. And if, and at the end of pregnancy, you have a lot of relaxin, which is a hormone that helps your joints relax. Makes sense, right? Um, and it helps the baby be born. And sometimes if you have too much relaxin, your body's just, you know, overproducing that hormone, then you can have this thing called SPD where it's basically like your pelvis is pulling apart and that piece of cartilage is like being pulled into different directions. That is honestly how it felt. Like I can't even describe how it feels other than to say it is so painful. And I think the other thing is too, is that like my muscles are really tight. They're like holding a lot of tension, but my joints are really loose. So the juxtaposition of really tight muscles and really loose joints was also maybe contributing to like the sciatic pain that I was having. It was awful. Anyway, Tuesday was awful. Literally, uh, Stephen basically had to carry me <laughs> to into bed. And I was just like crying and sobbing. Like it, it's both physically painful, but it's also just so demoralizing when you physically cannot use your legs in a functionable way. Like your legs just feel like heavy tree trunks <laughs> that you like can't move I don't know it's so weird it's so weird and to the point where I'm like okay do I need to get a walker do I need to get a wheelchair like my house is not really conducive to me being in a wheelchair but I do know that my friends that have had SPD um two friends specifically that I'm thinking of they are both their SPD comes on much earlier in the pregnancy which holy cow I can't even imagine living like this for months but they both were literally in wheelchairs by the end because there's really not a lot you can do. Anyway, I went back to the chiropractor. Well, Wednesday morning, I went into physical therapy where I have been uh, off and on. I It's physical therapy for pelvic floor specifically. And I just went in to have them do dry needling, which is basically like similar to acupuncture in the idea that you're sticking needles into your body, but with like a different focus. So from what I understand, acupuncture is more focused on energy pathways, whereas dry needling is focused on muscles. So you do, the needle does go in a little bit deeper for dry needling because you're targeting the muscle, which is deeper than what exactly they're targeting with acupuncture. I've never done acupuncture, but anyway, it's a similar idea. I have found a lot of relief from dry needling in the past, not because, not related to this, but just like earlier in the pregnancy when I would go. The thing is 
it's so expensive it's so expensive and insurance doesn't cover it this particular place at all or any dry needling as far as I know um but anyway again I was desperate so I went in Wednesday morning did dry needling and then I went to the chiropractor and I mentioned to him that I think I have SPD he was like oh let's check your pelvis which is kind of annoying like I like the idea of this chiropractic place and I like the idea of chiropractic care in general but it's just so quick like I literally he will work on me for like maybe four minutes and it just doesn't feel like super thorough (laughs) you know like anyway in my mind like when you're going to a chiropractor why would he have not automatically checked for like those things that just seems like something that you do but I don't know. Anyway, he checked and he's like, oh yeah. He could tell that my pelvis was like in the front was completely misaligned. And I don't really know if it was like one side was higher or further forward. I don't know. But all I know is that he had this little gun picture, like um, a massage gun kind of, but that's not battery operated. It's just like you click the trigger and it just does like one shoot (laughs) I don't know how to explain it anyway he had his little gun like that and he felt around on my pelvis and then was like oh yeah it's right here and then he took this little gun and he shot the pelvic bone like six times and holy cow it hurt so bad (laughs) but I do think that it helped and then every time I've gone back he's continued to do that and I just actually went this morning and he commented about how much better the placement is now as opposed to a few days ago. And I believe him because I have definitely seen massive improvement. Do I feel the normal discomforts of the end of a pregnancy? No, it is definitely more than that, but eons better than I was on Monday. This is what I want to say though, because I think it's so interesting when we talk about pain tolerance I don't really know how you could possibly measure pain tolerance, especially from person to person, because my pain tolerance is so different depending on what the thing is. And the reason why I think about this is because whenever I decided to do an unmedicated birth the first time, and since I've done, you know, four additional unmedicated births, people like to assume or they'll make comments about like, oh yeah, you just must have a really high pain tolerance. And I was kind of like, I don't know if that's true. I've never really thought of myself as someone with a high pain tolerance. And I still don't really think of myself as someone with a high pain tolerance. But for some reason, the pain associated with labor is just so different from other pain. And I can handle that pain better I just remember joking with Steven because after Lydia was born and I gave birth to her unmedicated and I remember thinking like, yeah, that was hard, but I don't think that that's the most pain I've ever experienced in my life or like, I don't think that will be the most painful thing I've ever done. And literally I got a paper cut like a week or two after she was born and I complained more about the pain from that paper cut than I did one time during labor which is just kind of interesting isn't it 
It's weird too though because dry needling the pain of dry needling does not bother me. Like I weirdly like it. <laughs> it's like weirdly satisfying. And that's how I feel about the the labor pains too. It's like weirdly satisfying. But the pain of my pelvis being like pulled in different directions and the pain of that little massage gun on my pubic bone no <laughs> that freaking hurt and it was not satisfying at all <laughs> so I don't know I don't know the difference but I just think that yeah assuming that people that do birth unmedicated is simply because they have a high pain tolerance I just don't think that's accurate at least not for me but it's funny because even when I was doing the stretches with Steven, I do not like the discomfort of like stretching, like doing a deep stretch. I do not like that. Even though I could see why a lot of people would say that was satisfying, maybe. But dry needling, I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. And even when I went on Wednesday morning, I just scheduled like a 30-minute dry needling session. And the, my therapist physical therapist Lauren she's amazing um she was like commenting about how she was like most people would not be able to get needled this many times in this short of a period of time and I was like oh really <laughs> like I don't know but and she talked about how other you know clients that she has are screaming in pain or like making birthing sounds or like their husbands have to come in and hold them while she does it and stuff and I was just like that's so interesting because that's I don't feel that. Um, and I'm like, anyway, I, it's, it's just weird. Okay. That's my, that's my rant about that, I guess. What else do I have on my list? <laughs> oh, I wanted to just talk about a little bit more with unmedicated birth because one of my friends had been asking me about why I chose to do birth in a birth center. And I have talked about this a little bit. I did a episode with my midwife not that long ago, so I don't, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail, but I did just want to say, because I do think that it is so individual decisions around birth and also it's very personal. And also I just think that it's like not really talked about. Like I always just assumed that I would give birth in a hospital with an epidural like why would I not and I even remember being like I do not understand why anybody would choose otherwise like we have the drugs why would I not and I will say first of all I have to give credit to my mom because I was able to be at my youngest sister's birth I was in kindergarten at the time so I was like five and apparently that maybe is uncommon I know in Utah you're not allowed to be in a birth unless you're like 13 or 14 or something, which is really interesting to me. Anyway, it was in California. Also, I'm pretty sure I just heard the baby pop his back or his neck. This has happened multiple times in the last couple of weeks where he'll be moving and then I hear a popping sound and it's not me. It's really weird. Okay. Side note. Anyway, <clears throat> my mom had very quick labors with all of us. And I think she had pain medication with my oldest brother. It wasn't an epidural. I don't think that was even a thing maybe, or maybe it was, but she just didn't have time. 
Um, but with the rest, they were all unmedicated, mostly because her labors were so fast. She didn't really have any other option. And it was just kind of like, oh, you're like, it's fine. I can just do it. Like my oldest sister, her second born, was born in the car in the hospital parking lot because labor just progressed so quickly that, you know, my dad was driving and they got to the parking lot and the baby was there. It was a company car. P.S. By the way. <laughs> anyway. I have memories of seeing my little sister be born and it was just like very non-traumatic I guess like it was just very like my mom was just laying in a hospital bed which honestly I'm like how did she do that that's crazy laying in hospital bed holding hands with my dad squeezing on his hands and then it was like there was a baby (laughs) and that was that was it and um then there were like not even any nurses in the room I think someone had to go out and find a nurse my mom said recently that the nurses had been really worried about me being there for fear I was gonna you know feel lightheaded or sick or grossed out or whatever and I was totally fine I don't I wasn't grossed out by any of it I think of my sister Sarah may have felt nauseous at one point um I don't know how old she would have been at the time maybe 13 12 Anyway, I didn't come to the idea of birth with a lot of baggage because of that experience. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, birth is just a thing that you do and it's not a big deal, which I give a lot of credit to my mom, my mom for. Anyway, <clears throat> when I learned about epidurals later, it was just kind of like, yeah, of course, why would I not? And giving birth out of a hospital, like, I didn't even know that that was a thing people did other than, like, in pioneer times, you know? But when I got pregnant with Lydia, I got together with my one of my friends and she was kind of asking me like, oh, what is your birth plan? And I was like, plan? What What is there to plan? <laughs> There's a baby that's going to come, you know? And she started talking about her experience and doing unmedicated and how powerful it was and how cool it was for her and her husband. And just she was very, very high praise about her experience of an unmedicated birth which I was just like huh weird interesting but didn't really like think that much of it then my cousin I talked with her a little bit she had also chosen to give unmedicated and I was kind of like why did you do that and I think for her a big part of it was like her husband being a big part of it I actually can't remember her reasoning but then it was so interesting because I talked with another friend who had give birth this all these were all conversations I had while I was pregnant with Lydia and she was talking about how like yeah they got to the hospital she got hooked up to the epidural they were watching a football game and then during halftime the baby was born and then they were able to get watch the second half of the football game and just like how amazing that was and for her that was like literally perfect like it was all the things she wanted and just listening to her tell it it was just kind of like huh happy for you that that was all that you hoped and dreamed that's not really how I want to bring a baby into the world you know and like again nothing wrong with that it was just not what I wanted and I wanted it to be a little bit more intentional I mean not to say again like I'm not trying to invalidate anyone's experience and I there's no wrong way Just for me, it was like, I kind of want to be a little bit more involved in the process. And not only that, I I want Steven to be more involved in the process. And that was the thing that I had really liked from talking to my friends who had done unmedicated births 
was just like the level of involvement from their partners. And this is not to say that your partner can't be involved if you have an epidural. Like, I'm sure that's very possible. And then also just hearing stories about epidurals not working or like epidural headaches or just other things like that. It was just kind of like, well, I'll just try to do it unmedicated. And if I can't, okay. But if I can, cool. And that was kind of how it all started. Anyway, with Lydia's, I never once questioned my ability to do it. I was definitely tired by the end. I had hiked the Y 40 weeks and four days. And she ended up coming 40 weeks and five days. I labored all night. She was born around noon. And I was just so tired because I had put my body through a lot. (laughs) Which ultimately she probably would have come even if I hadn't hiked the Y and had whatever midwives brew drink that was recommended to me um it just resulted in me being (laughs) very tired during the labor but I never questioned my ability to do it and again it was like even after I did it it was like yeah that was hard but I don't know that I'd even say that's the hardest thing I've ever done or that I'll ever do or the most pain that I've ever been in or ever will be in and I think so much of it is mental is mental period because I don't think it's fair when I've had friends that were planning on getting an epidural but for whatever reason either it didn't work or they weren't able to get it or whatever and then they're like I don't know how you could ever like why would you ever choose to do natural birth blah blah blah. or I, I know the word natural is not the best word because all birth is natural unmedicated is what I meant to say And I don't think it's fair to compare those experiences because there's so much mental that goes into it. And I think that that's also true for the last weeks of pregnancy because even just waiting for my body to go into labor on its own, even if that means I'm 40 weeks and eight days like I was with Lawrence, people have a hard time like wrapping their brain around that. And again, it's all mental. And this is a rant that I will go on for a second because this is not talked about enough in my opinion. First of all, I am fully on board with women making the best decisions that they feel are the the decisions that they feel are best for them and their body and their baby. And sometimes there are lots of women that feel that being induced is that best decision, which I fully support. The The thing, the rant that I have about this is the cultural expectation that we have that a baby will magically be ready, that will, yeah, that a baby will magically be ready to be delivered at 40 weeks or even before 40 weeks. Like people get annoyed. (laughs) Like this is one of my biggest pet peeves. When people will say they'll get induced at 38 or 39 weeks. And say it's because, quote, my body just doesn't go into labor on its own. That's a hard, mm, that one's hard for me. Because why would you think that your body would go into labor before 40 weeks? As a matter of fact, in some countries, a normal full, in in the United States, we consider 40 weeks as the, the quote unquote due date. I think that is the stupidest term ever <laughs> because to to think that everybody would 
produce a baby in exactly the same amount of days is absolutely ridiculous. But in other countries, their quote unquote due date is based on 40 weeks and five days or some other variation of that. Like it is so cultural, this expectation that your baby will come on a certain day and what that certain day will be. Now, there is some research that potentially going past 40 weeks may have in some cases some negative what is the word um risks some risks so if you are saying i'm choosing to be induced because i want to avoid these risks okay great i fully respect that and i think that's a valid reason but saying that your body doesn't go into labor on its own because you've never had a baby by 40 weeks or even 41 weeks 42 weeks is still a perfectly reasonable amount of time for a baby to be forming and interestingly there's research which obviously they can never like prove this stuff outright but I was reading an interesting study the other day about how potentially there is um when your baby's lungs are fully developed it will release an excess I'm assuming it's oxytocin because I know that's kind of like the the main hormone that comes when you're giving birth I don't know for sure if that's the hormone but whatever it said when your baby's lungs are fully developed it will pump that through your body which will initiate labor So to think that like every baby should be fully developed by the same time when every person's body has so many different things happening is just like so ridiculous. It kind of makes me angry. Anyway, again, do not misunderstand me. I am not anti-induction. I am not anti-anything. And to be fair, with Brighton, there were reasons why my midwife and I felt like it was important that we get the baby out as soon as possible. I was 40 weeks and one day when I went in for my appointment, my blood pressure was very high. I had a little bit of a fever, I think. And my midwife basically said like, we need to get this baby out in the next 24 hours. They don't do Pitocin in birth centers because that's not part of what they are license to do um so what we did was we broke my water manually and then gave me a crap ton of castor oil and it was not pleasant but we got the baby out and because of other factors we felt like that was the best and safest thing to do which I completely I'm glad we did I have no regrets at all um but it's not because my body was never going to go into labor it's because there were other factors that we felt like were important And maybe even your comfort is the factor, which is a valid reason. Like, I'm not saying there's not reasons. And I'm not saying you even need to tell me your reasons or that you need to feel like you need to justify them. I'm just saying you cannot prove that your body would not have gone into labor on its own. That's all I'm saying. So to state that like it's a fact is simply not a fact. Okay. Well, I have another rant and that is about insurance (laughs) basically i 
I am grateful for insurance. I'll say that. It's just so frustrating because of all the things that I have done this year medically, insurance I don't think has covered any of them. Because I'm doing an out-of-hospital birth with an out-of-network provider. So they will, they, when I spoke to my insurance about this, and I understand, like I chose to do a birth out of hospital with a midwife who is out of network. Like I will acknowledge that. Um, it, this midwife charges $6,000 for the birth. So we are paying that out of pocket from our HSA. So grateful for that. Hooray. Um, all the physical therapy that I've done is also considered out of network. So supposedly my insurance will potentially start to cover half, 50% of my bills out of network once I have met my out of network deductible of $6,000. So potentially they might pay for a little bit of my physical therapy that I've done this year. Hallelujah. But I'm not holding my breath. (laughs) The, The reason why it's frustrating to me though is because if I had chosen to give birth in a hospital with an in-network provider, they would be spending tens of thousands of dollars on that birth, if I'm not mistaken. So the fact that they won't cover any of my birth, even though it is way cheaper for them, that's the part that I just don't get. So someone who is much smarter than me that understands insurance, can you please explain this? Because... I feel like I'm, I'm helping them out, but yet they won't help me out, <laughs> which is just annoying, especially when you look at how much we've paid into the system. But I understand that's how insurance works. And I understand that it's a blessing to have it and that it's a blessing not to use it. Honestly, I'm counting my blessings. So I'm grateful. Okay. And actually Stephen did use our insurance, um, this year, but I'm just talking about me specifically. I'm trying to remember if our kids did. I feel like they may have had like an earache or something at one point. But yeah, uh, basically this, the healthcare system in our country is broken and everybody knows it, but nobody knows what to do about it, which is just a very discouraging place to be. So if you have any ideas of how to reform the healthcare system, please let's chat. Last thing, Christmas card. Huh. I was really on the fence about doing a Christmas card this year, and I was kind of leaning towards no. But Stephen felt really strongly about it. So I was like, okay, you're going to take this on. And then I took over. <laughs> because I, I'm not a control freak, except I am. I don't know. He did come up with the idea. And he did help with all the setup of the taking the photo and all the stuff. And he's helping me write it. My goal is to get it into the printer today, you guys. December 1st. Can you imagine? I will feel so proud of myself if we can actually send it to the printer today. And we're going to. Because honestly, it's like 85% of the way there. It was one of those things where we either have to do it ASAP and get him out before the baby comes We have to do it late after the baby comes because it's kind of awkward to be sending out a Christmas card after we've had a baby that doesn't include the baby. (laughs) 
so we decided to do the early end. I was hoping to have them in to the printer by Wednesday, but that did not happen. But I do think that it will happen by today. And then maybe we can have them in the mail very shortly. Also, curious to know what you think about the phenomenon of just like, hey, if you want a Christmas card, put your address in on a story on Facebook and like having a little thing. Because I don't know, like maybe it's just my very um, deep seated money (laughs) scarcity issues. But I'm like, if you didn't think of me specifically and like reach out to me specifically for my address, I don't want you to waste $2 on me because I know it's like a dollar for the stamp and probably around a dollar to print the card. And like, if I don't come top of mind to be someone that you specifically want to send a card to, then I don't want to like put myself on that list. Like it just feels weird to me. So I don't. And it's not because I don't want your cards, but it's because I don't want you to waste your money on me. I know some people like are very, very, um, they get like a lot of joy from Christmas cards. And I very much appreciate Christmas cards. Do not get me wrong. Please do not take me off your list (laughs) if I'm on there because of this. I really want your cards. And I know how much work it goes into doing a card. And also we that's the thing too with our Christmas cards is it's like it's not just like your run of the mill oh look we have a family photo let's just like print it and send it out like every part of our Christmas card is very intentional but that's why I like it that's why I enjoy it because of all the intentionality behind it everything from the theme to the picture to the write-up to the all the stuff that's what makes it fun for me I don't think it would be fun for me if it was just like, hey, here's a picture of my family because people can see a picture of my family like on Instagram or something. Again, speaking for me. Anyways, so yeah, if um, I didn't put my name, if I watched your story and I didn't put my name in your box, it's not because I don't want your Christmas card. It's because I don't want you, because there are other people out there who will be I don't know, more appreciative? No, that sounds wrong because I am appreciative. Don't get me wrong. Oh gosh, I feel like I'm burying myself in this. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but basically, I would love your Christmas card. (laughs) I don't know. If you do a Christmas card, 10 points for you because it's difficult. And if you don't do one, 10 points for you for knowing your capacity and choosing not to do one because both are equally valid. (laughs) Anyways, one more thing about the birth that I was going to mention is that I'm planning on having Lydia come and she's really excited and I feel like I need to do a better job of prepping her because it's not going to be anything like the birth that I witnessed of my little sister with my mom just quietly sitting on the bed holding my dad's hands and then a baby flew out. That's not going to be the experience for Lydia. I would love, I really hoped, especially, I think too, when I chose to do unmedicated birth the first time, um, I like had it in my mind like, oh yeah, my mom had super easy labors, so mine will be like that and they'll be quick and it won't be a big deal. And again, 
very grateful. I have relatively very easy, easy labors and not any complications, which is by far the most important thing. But I would not say that my birth experience has been very similar <laughs> to my mom's, unfortunately. Maybe it skipped a generation and Lydia will get that. Who knows? Um, but I, yeah, I hoped that that's what it would be. And then it wasn't, but I'd already done it. So I was like, well, I already know I can do it. So why would I not just do it again? And then Elliot's birth was top drawer. My favorite <laughs> of all the births. I had had a great night's sleep, woke up in the morning, contractions started, headed over to the hospital. He was born a few hours later. Like, it was so great. Um, and then the other ones have all been fine. <laughs> but once I've done it, it's like, why would I? And then, well, then I chose to start doing out-of-hospital birth, which then the epidural no longer becomes an option. But honestly, like, I really do love, I, I really do love the birth experience, um, and I love how bonding of an experience it is. Like when I say I could not do it without Steven's support or, or at least the support of my birthing team, you know, which includes Steven always, I truly mean that. And it is really like a unifying experience for us. And like he also, I know that's not, not all partners would want to be that involved, so I am grateful that Steven wants to, that that's like a common goal for both of us because it really is, um, I just really like bringing, feeling like we brought the baby into the world, like together and we really needed each other in that way. Again, not to say that you cannot have that same feeling in other settings or situations. I, it's, it's mental, right? It's, it's a choice to be that deliberate about it. And I think that could look a lot of different ways. I just have really liked the way that we've found. And I'm just hoping and praying that my body will be able to move in the ways that I want it to. But I have seen so much improvement and I'm hoping that it will just keep getting better. So it's this weird like balance of, okay, I want to have the baby, but then also like I want to give my body time to like get back settled if that's possible as far as like my hips and my pelvis and like all that kind of stuff. And I feel like if I have a little bit more time to like continue going to the chiropractor and doing dry needling and I'm getting a massage, like I hope that these things are going to be beneficial to me. Um, but then also it's like, well, it's really not going to be resolved until the baby just comes out. So anyway, I am grateful that I'm in infinitely better place than I was on Monday and Tuesday of this week. The hardest part is getting in and out of bed. So I mentioned last time that I've been snoring and it's been keeping Steven up and at some point he'd have to move to a different room and jokes on me because I am now <laughs> sleeping in the basement because that bed is much easier to get in and out of and it's much easier to get out of bed when I can sleep perpendicular. Does that make sense? So I'm like, instead of having to turn my legs and like stand up, I can just slide off the side. So here we are different bedrooms and I am still a baby because it literally takes me an hour to like calm down enough to be able to go to sleep because apparently I'm still scared of the dark as a 32 year old woman and even though Steven is home he's two floors away and I am just scared <laughs> how embarrassing is that 
Okay, well, next week I am planning on doing one more episode. I think I'll try to do my um, what to what I wasn't expecting when expecting. I have a bunch of stories that people submitted. So if I haven't had a baby by then, that will be the plan. I'm not sure. I'm going to try to find a co-host to discuss that one with me. If you haven't submitted your story yet, reach out because I would love to hear all of the things, the random, bizarre pregnancy stories that you have. And I hope you're having a lovely Friday and rant.